evening, good night. Yeah. Welcome to the show, what a wonderful delight. Uh. Yeah, Patsy and T Rise, better chop up on the mic. Just sit back, have a laugh, catch a vibe, and enjoy the ride. Today's episode of the T-Ross Podcast is presented by A-Game. Whether you're at home, at work, in the gym, in the classroom, success means giving nothing less than your best, your peak performance, your A-Game. And now there is a beverage designed to help you bring the best when you need it the most. A-Game is full of essential vitamins and nutrients to keep your body primed for action and provides hydration to boost recovery after you've given your all. Bring your A-Game, bring your best, and tell the world, bring it on. Shout out to A-Game. Go to drinkingagame.com and get you some a game what is up (laughs) (laughs) Uh, how you doing man how's the offseason treating you how's how's life week week three three four i don't know man it's my first week back in the gym it's been fun to work out i've been seeing you know Devin in in the gym so that's been fun uh kids just my son actually just living life huh yeah, How's that? Just, How is that watching that? I mean, I have a daughter. It's cool to watch her yeah. um, Bro, play sports. So um, let me tell you. So my son and Drew Gooden's son okay. are on the same team, right? Drew so Gooden, ex-NBA player. Ex-NBA player, yeah. Play the Cavs, a whole bunch of teams. So our team is called the Yankees. We had, we're really good. Everybody um, hates you probably, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> we only lost one game, and that's due to a massive – it was like a super long rain delay. I mean, it was raining like – it looked like it was hailing and they yeah. made the kids play in that. So, you know, of course the, the mud was making the pitching machine slide and pitches are horrible. And there's maybe only two hits and they had two of them. So we didn't have any, but anyway, kids are really good. My son had the championship thing today, but yeah, we've had for sure some, some mom Karens take over the field this season. Like we had one game where we're beating this team by like four or five points. Um, The mom and on the other team starts yapping. She's like, she starts saying like, "Hey, is that bat regulated? I don't think that's a regulated bat." Or it's she, corked. Yeah, so she she keeps saying <laughs> stuff like, "Oh," and she also complained about the the strike calls and the the ball calls, and she's just tripping. Like other parents are like, "Okay, this is getting too much. Like we're not even really tripping. Like these are seven eight year old kids. Like let them play." Were you gonna try to say something to her? No, I wasn't there. Actually, it was actually when I was gonna say Bart. So, oh, okay. Drew Gooden's son is up to plate, hits the ball into like Dalfield, right? Uh-huh. Kids are running around the base. That mom storms onto the field. No, you she, can't do that. She storms you onto the field, picks up the bat. No, turns towards, <laughs> towards, <laughs> turns towards the, fa- the, the fans, towards the parents, and said, "This is not a regulated bat. This is not a USA bat. This is not approved. This is not approved." My friend is the the the, uh, the head of Louisville Suggers. Yeah, is the is the head of Little League or whatever the manager? I'm gonna go get him right now. And we're just like, go do that. Go do that. So we end up, she ends up taking like three or four bats from our players. We can't use them. What's wrong with people? The game, the game gets close. I remember it was like because the first four innings, no, first two innings are co- are kid pitch. The last three innings are machine pitch. It got really close in that last inning, and our kids with legal bats go out there and start cracking these balls <laughs> all over the place. That mom gets real quiet. She, oh, her, she brought man. all these people from Little League to come over and check everything, and there was like a whole big delay, but we still won. We still went to the championship. We still got that dub. We're still the Yankees. Rah, 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 whatever you want to put it. Yeah, that mom was a for real Karen, and it was upsetting. It's these ridiculous. Are these are seven-year-old kids. Yeah, like they're not. Ridiculous. They're not out there intentionally trying to be like, oh, let's. I got to yeah. cork that. Like I'm about. Yeah. To, like they're kids, bro. Just don't be mad when your kids aren't winning. I mean, like, why I are you worried about that so much at this I've age? I've never like, seen it. I mean, I've never seen it. And even too, when kids get to that age, they should be at the age where they're old enough to deal with to their own. Be, yeah, yeah, that's be upset what I'm saying. About it. like, it's like, even in high school, you're like, I'm just a dad trying to pick up a bat <laughs> on my way from work so my son <laughs> yeah. has a new bat to go play. Blame Dick's like, sporting goods. Don't play these. Yeah, I'm not. Do you think I'm over here saying, hey, is this a USC approved bat or is this a, can I get the court? Bat? Like, no, come on, Shorty. My son is <laughs> he's swinging as hard as he can and oh, it's not man, it's bad. It's it bad. bad. It was bad. It's, kids sports can get ruined in that way. I mean Oh, absolutely. It's more it's the parents, it's like, parents bro. control the whole narrative. Like the kids just want to be yeah. out there. The parents are the one that make everything go crazy. Yeah, my my daughter, she plays in the basketball league and it's like 
I mean, they're in second grade, so they're just playing. But there's one team where it's like they're running screens, plays, and Mm -hmm. and 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 I get that's all good. Like, and the kids are really advanced, but like sometimes I'm watching the the coach, the dad, and I'm just like, you're a little over the top. Come on, buddy. Yeah, it's second grade. Like, I get it. Okay, but you don't want to. You know, there's a fine line of pushing it too far and being, you know, obviously not caring. But there's always going to be those parents, though. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. I don't want to be that parent. I don't want to be that at all. Until I have to. You feel me? Yeah. Like, I, like, my son is good at basketball. He's good at sports. Yeah. And he, he enjoys playing them. But, like, I try not to, like, coach Push him it on because, him because, yeah. Because that is just, they don't want to hear that, that right now. Yeah. So, like, and I can yeah. see it. Like, when I say something to him sometimes, he's just like, oh, like, what now? Like, so I'm like, you know what? Go I, settle I, on your own. I, I, I and when you when you're ready to come and get this work, and you're seven, yeah. you're you're fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, you're ready to start putting in the time. Then like I will be there to help. But like right now, I'm not trying to crack the whip. Honestly. Well, it, exactly. I, I had a coach tell me one time, it's like, or our team one time, like we're on this ship for a long time, man. The ship starts to get real small, yeah. and you're with your kid <laughs> forever. It's exactly true, though. It's like you're gonna be with your kid for whatever eighteen years. When they're ready, like that's why I say with Harper, I'm like, when she's ready to start getting, like, wants to actually put work in a time, like, then I'm gonna be here to do that. But I do not want to bring extra work home. Like, it's just too much on both, bro. It just, like, I didn't like that with my mom. Like, my mom, I used to remember my mom, like, my mom. Think she used to try to coach me from the bench. I was like in ninth grade. I had to like turn to the bench one time at a free throw and be like, "Can you? I got this. Like, relax." And then after that, she she probably felt the way, but like, I wasn't gonna let her just talk to me crazy. Oh yeah, me and my dad definitely like having my dad coach me, and a lot, a lot of parents are like, oh, you don't really want to coach your daughter's team. I'm like, <laughs> me and my dad went to my own battles of like Bro, coaching, where I, I was just I, a straight dickhead to my dad. Where I'm like, I remember, I remember your dad like <laughs> vaguely as a seventh grader, sixth grader, yeah, seventh, yeah. But I remember him being intense. I remember that. Well, dude he was a, he, he, well. I mean, it's probably a big guy. We little kids. He was, yeah. big, he was a big guy. And when we were coaching, I remember like he didn't coach us to be like da 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 da. But when the game started, he's and the ref wasn't on his on his yeah, yeah, on that yeah, whistle yeah, exactly exactly. And we weren't playing like I remember him sometimes just being like he gets mad oh, at refs. Like, yeah, I was just yeah, like, oh yeah. my god, like uh. so he, he was, definitely was cool. he 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 wasn't like my dad was someone that obviously he made me the athlete I am. He taught me a lot of things, especially all different types of sports. Yeah. And it wasn't like something where he was like at home. Like I had like, friends that like own. their parents were like whipping them to like go do these sports, and then they end up quitting yeah. like three years in. He wasn't doing yeah. that. But when the game starts and I'm not it's doing what I'm doing right, <laughs> he would get upset. Even when he wasn't coaching me, bro. Like I could just feel it from the stands in high school where I'm like, uh, he's mad because I or you know he's just he's like because he he has that it's in you it's in you too like I watch my daughter I'm like oh gosh that's not how I'd do it like you know what yeah, I mean but it's like it, sure. I can't you don't want to yell no absolutely I love, not because... I love my dad and he he helped me a lot along the way yeah. but um all right man we had a let's just finish up we had a lot of things um in like the last week we had the crazy yeah. UFC fights oh my Jesus oh my Jesus let's talk about you want to talk about that right now. Yeah, let's talk about the UFC fights first. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I'm pissed off about. Charles Dubronx Oliveira not retaining that belt. He should have that belt. You know how many times Khabib has been on the same shit? Yeah. And he's like missed it by a, a smidge or whatever. And he and the belt's never up for the interim title. Like he yeah. it, it, come on, bro. I did get you, it. Khabib did you hear good. the story though about it? Um about what? I don't know if this is true. I just heard this. I thought I heard that his team's scale was saying that he was fine. Oh, that, I didn't hear about that. That the team's scale was actually off. And so when he went to the thing, because he thought... Because uh, like a, a half a pound like to them, they can lose in literally a couple hours. No, absolutely. And absolutely. They, gave, they gave him time. So that's what I, I heard. There was some type of story like that. Um, yeah. I don't know the truth of it, but it's pretty that, crazy. But I mean, still. It sucks because then he goes up there and dominates it, Justin Gaethje. Bro. And did you did anybody think that's how it's gonna go? And like I've I've been a Charles Dubronx fan since before he won the belt. So I was always like, this dude is he's really fun to watch. He, if he gets you on the ground, you're in trouble. But his stand-up is also amazing. And I'm just like, I don't know why yeah. a lot of people are not respecting it. Like, and it's funny because when when um Michael Chandler fought Justin Gagey, like nobody got knocked out. Yeah. And that's how I thought that fight was going. And 
Gaethje did not Mike. He didn't. He didn't knock Michael Chandler out. Like, and I thought that's how that fight was going to go. But Oliveira gets. That's how he finishes the fight. That's how he gets the belt. He knocks out Michael Chandler, and then that makes me think. And I'm not. I'm understanding like why are people not respecting this man's hands. He goes out there. The first exchange between Gaethje and Oliveira. Gaethje catches the worst part of it. You can see it. He starts to stumble a little. He has a little bit of chicken leg, but he's still in the pocket. He's still throwing like you know Gaethje does. And then it gets to just. Yeah, I mean he's just I mean he's just a better fighter overall and just yeah. all around, bro. Like he he throws knees. Like Gaethje's just starting to get those kicks, but like he's throwing knees, he's throwing kicks. He can he can do all types of stuff, and then he just threw a straight right down the middle and it planted Gaethje, bro. And then it was on the ground. It was over. It was well, over. it's crazy because Charles like he always uses like he got hit twice really good. But well, he uses that when he falls on his back as like it's such a but, good defense mechanism because it's like you're not no, coming down. He there. got hit, but it wasn't like it, no, like he got hit. I don't think he was ever dazed. He caught an exchange no, no, where like yeah. an elbow hit him and he started to bleed, but I don't think that was due to like Gaethje yeah. throwing a left or right. And he got hit. Don't get me wrong. And when he does that, he just goes down because that's a they're not gonna come down. To come you, down there. Yeah, come down here, please. Tra- exactly. He's trying to get you into that that quicksand and your fuck. And Gaethje's like, no, I'm not gonna do yeah. that. And then you can see the second time he got hit and he wasn't really hurt, but he went down still thinking Gaethje might have bit on it. Doesn't gets Gaethje on the ground. It's over. But I'll tell you this: I was also just 30 minutes before that fight, also extremely, extremely upset because <laughs> Doug Rose. I have never, I have never seen anything like that in my life. I've never seen two rounds in any combat sport called 10 10. That's like it was bad. That that's like bad. two that's like that's like an NBA team not scoring both NBA teams not scoring for the entire first and second quarter. Yeah. There, so for, there was no it was nothing. It was just they were yeah. just, you know, shadow boxing. For people that don't know, so the main event was Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje. The co main event was Rose versus um well, I can't think of her name right now. The yeah, I, exactly. It doesn't matter who she fought. <laughs> so Rose is the defending champ. She goes out there. The girl she's fighting, Espen. Well, I can't even. I, I don't know. I don't but he, she she beat. She's a wrestler. Thug Rose she, back in. The, she's a wrestler. Thug Rose can kind of do it all. Rose went out there with just dancing around like it was the biggest dance around I've ever seen, and it was the most boring fight, waste of time. And she ended up losing when she thought she, she was winning. Losing. Yeah, she was not aggressive at all. And at it was all, just an awful I, I, fight. I didn't understand why she wasn't aggressive. I don't either. Like, did you respect you her, to her wrestling? Her, you can listen to her corner. The corner was like, "This is what we want. This is what we want." You're like, "No." Oh, okay. So somebody in our camp sold. Got it. Um, yeah, that's cool. and then and, and then, then the other fight was obviously the the best front kick of all time. Maybe Michael Chandler versus Ferguson, yeah. just straight to I, his jaw. Bro, that slow mo pick was like oh my god! <laughs> it, it was like an NFT, bro. It's like a bored ape. Tony Ferguson. <laughs> He's a monster he's old. too. He's old. No, but he's so he's he's older, bro. Like, and yeah. he's been, and I don't mean like he might be two years older than Michael Chandler, but he's been <laughs> yeah. doing this at this level for way longer. Like, if you're a UFC fighter and you were fighting in the era where you had to get your own promotions and put them on your trunks, a lot of time has passed. I mean, a lot of <laughs> yeah. time has passed because they yeah. went through Reebok and then they went through Venom. So like. In the 10 years that have gone by, like the game has gone, it's, it's crazy. And like, yeah, so, so, uh, what, Tony is 38? Yeah. And I mean, and that's, I mean, we have, there's definitely older fighters, but like for the way Tony fights, he, he's all quickness and flash and just like, you know, yeah. dodge, like if you don't, he's got heavy he's hands. Not, he hit Chandler pretty yes, hard. He, hit, he got yeah. Chandler pretty hard, but bro, I don't know. I Chandler's just, a psycho though. Once Chandler gets hit, he just goes into like, it's yeah, either really also, good. Or really bad. It's either yeah, really good or really it's bad. Un, it's not a great way to to do this sport because you're yeah. to block with your face the whole time. Yeah, like, bro, it's bad. But that front kick was was arguably one of the best front kicks I've ever seen, and I thought he killed him. I thought I, I thought Tony Ferguson was dead. He was out for a minute. He, he was, was out for like three two minutes. minutes. That's yeah. insane. I, you don't see bro, that. I thought he was dead. I you thought really... he was dead. Like he kicked, bro, and it was the worst type of kick because it was the palm of his his foot right under his chin, and it I, like if you could. The closest I've ever seen to somebody getting their actual head kicked off of their body. Unreal. It was disgusting. But yeah. Great fight. Well, well, let's uh let's get into this interview with Devin Kennedy, your teammate at the Magic. It's really uh, you know, it's a fun interview, man. He's a really interesting yeah, guy. You definitely gotta check him out and uh let's get into it. All right, let's welcome to our show Orlando Magic Guard, NBA G League champion, NBA G League finals MVP, and host of 
Run Your Own Race podcast, Devin Kennedy. Welcome to the show, man. Appreciate you guys for having me. Yes, sir, my God. <laughs> Long you, time man. coming. We, we've been talking about this for a while. We've been, I think since you even heard I had a podcast maybe like a year ago, you were like, yo, we got we to gotta get on the podcast. And I was like, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And somehow we always just <laughs> miss each other. But now today it's finally happened. We can mark it down. Exactly. Okay. That was last training camp. I was like, bro. Yeah. Trust say, me. The, say the word. It's like no. And today we took our time. We were like, we made a whole list of stuff we want to get to. So I was just like, yeah, no, this is, it has to happen. That's perfect. Yeah, man. How um? So let's just start right right off the bat with uh, you know, your your NBA career coming from Princeton. I mean, it's very intriguing. Fun I mean, fact, fun fact, bro. Today, because we're at the gym, I didn't even know he went to Princeton. Princeton. I was like, <laughs> he said that. No, who said that? Was it Becky? It was Becky. It was Becky. Yeah. Becky mentioned Becky. something about Princeton, and I was like, wait, was like, no, you went to Princeton? I don't know for sure. I don't know. I don't know where I thought you might have went before that, but. I don't know. I did not expect Princeton for that reason. That's so no, that's why I asked. That's I why. Like, where did you think I went? Like, I wish I would have known that prior. So you I would have said Wisconsin, Northwestern. <laughs> I don't know. Some school. I don't know. I can envision you in just a handful what, of schools. I don't know. Well, you're from Indiana, right? And you had a you had other offers as was what I was reading. Um, so what what ended up at Princeton and how that even all come about? Yeah, I mean, I was never highly recruited. Uh highly rated that whole you know situation so for me it was a lot of the the mid uh american conference schools the mac schools toledo akron ohio um and for me i'm the oldest of four siblings first in my family to even go to college so i expected to stay close to home i'm from south bend right in notre dame's backyard so my whole life going to notre dame basketball football games camps i wanted to be part of the fighting Irish and all that, but <laughs> yeah. never got an offer. Um, and so it came down to during my senior year um, when Princeton and like Cornell came calling, I've always been, I think, curious, open-minded and always have been up for challenges. So once I kind of knew what that Ivy league route looked like, um, I mean, I really heavily considered it. So it took my official visit, um, seeing campus, uh, just seeing, history of what people did outside of basketball once they left I was like man like I'm gonna pour everything I have into basketball like they may think I'm crazy um thinking I can get to the NBA being one of like the only people in Princeton history to do so but um I knew that going in it was like I mean worst case scenario I I end up this whole thing with an Ivy League degree so that was kind of how I played the system did did you go to uh did you go on a visit to Cornell I didn't. I literally visited Princeton, and four days later was like, all right, this is what we're doing. I was um, going to say, because that was one of my first uh, – actually, one of the first schools that looked at me until they saw my transcripts, and, yeah, that <laughs> was out the way. But, um, yeah, talk a little bit about Princeton. I mean, were, were you always a high academic per, like uh, person? Was um, Like, how was sure. that whole experience? Because like, we're he the furthest – me and Terrence are, like, the are furthest so far from, from that oh my from God. Princeton. So it's like – what is it like there? Yeah, I think there's there's – there's there's a stigma first and foremost on what an Ivy League basketball player, Ivy League student looks like. Um, but in, in this case, I think, you know, once I made that decision, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what the stock market was, let alone Wall Street. Um, I don't know. I didn't know what was going on in politics at the time. I'm from a small town in Indiana. And for me, it was basketball, football. And I mean, the community I come from wasn't necessarily highly educated i think a lot of them went to the people went to the same high schools their family and that was kind of how my family upbringing was everyone went mm-hmm. to Walker high school um but my family they i think to your question about was i always highly academic um we chose for me to go to a private school it was like the first big decision that i think started kind of this snowball effect of education being one of the top priorities alongside athletics so yeah, once once that was kind of my mo was school first. I mean, on as well as basketball, um, Princeton made made a lot of sense for me. So um, yeah, that's kind of what went into that decision. But overall, like, there's they're not stressing basketball the way mm-hmm. Washington would, let alone no, absolutely not Ohio or Akron, right? Yeah, so yeah. I got there, I was shook. Like, do these guys care about basketball the way I care about it? And that's kind of what my hmm. basketball journey looked like at Princeton, unfortunately. Um, 
where there was a lot of lonely mornings and nights with me in the gym. You know, wait. Okay. So, what were the games like? Uh, like, what were the fans like? You guys, I know you guys had a student section. Like, when it comes to basketball, I know somebody's showing up. I think the biggest there's like one game on a schedule a year where we'd have students come down. Um, but the crazy thing is, no, I mean, I had a bigger fan base in high school in Indiana, especially. Wow. Uh, our gym in Indiana, I think, held 1,800, and it, was, and it would sell out every Friday, Saturday. Yeah. Games. Princeton, there would be games where 500 people, 600 people would show up. And, and they're not ruckus, you know. It's yeah. the Princeton community coming out and just kind of watching. A, Observing. Yeah, it's like and, watching the game. It's like, hmm, this is interesting. It's like a, it's yeah. like a Broadway show. <laughs> so that was, my, that was literally my career for four years. And right. towards my senior year is when it was the first time, I think, in 25 years that the, the stadium sold out for, against our rival Penn. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. That was a dope feeling, and I wish that was the experience the whole time. But yeah. everyone was so so focused on school. The students mm. would come down during cold weather all the way down campus to come to the gym to see the basketball team. So, I mean, that was that was a cool experience because now being in NBA arenas. And you probably appreciate it, like, that much more. Because that's how I was. <laughs> I, last question of, about Princeton. Uh, what's the party life like? I like to have a you know a nice cold one. Was it? I mean, you say that these guys are all you know they're worried about studies, academics. Was there any like social life? Yes, there was. <laughs> <laughs> so, soror- so sororities and fraternities, I'm guessing, are pretty big there. No, there are no. no. Oh, there's wow. There's Greek life, but it's like not. and like it's not what you think. In yeah. the shadows, like there's not like yeah yeah, yeah. Greek houses or frat houses. Yeah, there's no Sigma Chi, you know, toga party. Okay, no, no, right. but but we do have our own toga parties. Yes, there's a street at Princeton. It's called Prospect Avenue, and it's basically eleven or twelve mansions just on this one street. <laughs> They're owned by the university, um, and each one is technically called an eating club. And so when you're a junior and a senior, you basically go from being in um, the dining halls to kind of rushing these eating clubs. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> there's a week literally during, like, conference play where all athletes, students try and become a part of these selective groups of houses. It's kind of like some Hogwarts-type stuff. Like, that yeah. was my first take. Um, and so all the basketball guys are in this place called Cannon. Um T, as you know me, you know, I'm a little different. We talk about run your own race. So I was like, I'm not going to do cannon. So I joined a different one called Cottage, yeah. um, which was kind of like this very preppy, bougie eating club. Um, but hmm. every every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, these clubs, are, these eating clubs are packed at night with parties. Um, oh, nice. Beer on tap. So it's a. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. So now y'all still getting that. It's still college. So y'all still yeah. getting down. Like it's still the first time people are on their own. So I like, mean, it's no, young kids. Sure. It's young. It's, you know, you're young adults. No, because I know, spicy, your experience, he went to Idaho. So like. Right next to Washington State. Right next to Washington State. Like, that's not like, it's their state schools. Like literally <laughs> nothing else to do except like get hammered. It's super cold out there. Yeah. There's, the land is super flat. There is nothing no. else but Students. those two, yeah, those two little towns. So like, it's just. And then I'm coming from Washington, and Washington is not like Washington had parties, and like we had Greek life, but it wasn't like over the top. Like, yeah, we had a couple blocks with some frats and whatnot, but like, it wasn't like you're in how, the city though. You're in the city. Yeah, I we're, mean, so you're we're in like Seattle, right in the city. So, so like, I did more. Like majority of the stuff I did was because I wasn't even old enough to go out. Was <laughs> I, I went to a letouts with some of my teammates. I would just drive around at two o'clock in the morning, just wait for fucking people to get out and go socialize. But that's hilarious. I mean, I, I still wasn't. I felt like I, I kind of missed on that that college experience of just like living college life. But I mean, the basketball was pretty good. I will say that basketball yeah. was, was decent. But it still wasn't like it wasn't like how it is in the NBA. Like the NBA has a, such a different feel that yeah. it's it's just unique to its own right. But yeah, I was. Coming from college to the NBA, I was not shell-shocked. And I wasn't, like, not, you know, not saying I wasn't ready for it, but it was just a different vibe. It was a different vibe. But I can't imagine the different vibe from Princeton to, to the NBA. It's not in day. Not day. It got to be. Well, it was, a, it was a super dope experience. I mean, everything I'd say just from the people you meet to the experience you have in the summers, I, 
studied abroad in Tanzania after my freshman year. Wow. I did internships and like finance the next two, three summers. So it was a dope, like I grew as a human, as a person. Um, and basketball, I stayed 10 toes down. I mean, I kept my, yeah. you know, my goals written down. I mean, through the ups and downs and the 400 fans and being by myself in the gym, I kept that same confidence and was like, I can make it out of here, which mm. I obviously did, you know, but yeah. it's, it's definitely taken a, a unique path. So, you know, mm. I, I definitely hold my, you know, I stand tall on that. And it's like, yeah. I did something very rare, you know, not just for mm. my family, but in general. So when did you, moving on towards the NBA, when did you start to get the realization that the NBA was like a really strong possibility? Like you talk about, you know, you're doing internships, you're at Princeton, but you're still obviously focused on your goal of playing professional basketball. When did that like really come to life? Like when were you like, okay, this is a real possibility? I think so. I talked about wanting to go to Notre Dame my whole life. And my sophomore year, we win 19 straight games. We go to the, the NCAA tournament. And of course, it's a 12 5 matchup against who? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> of course. We're matched up with Notre Dame. And like, I was in my head so much like, this is my game. Like, Steph Curry made his run in the dance. Like, <laughs> yeah. I know I can shoot the ball. Like, it's against Notre Dame. Let me knock this team out. You know, show them what they missed. I, I was like three for 11. <laughs> I had the game-winning shot. We're down two. Oh, wow. No, like five seconds, four seconds. I get the ball, left wing. I shoot it, and it looks so good. And I missed. Game <sighs> over. That was, like, my defining moment. And, like, yeah. that summer, I, I went out to L.A., um, I ended up playing in like the, the Rico Hines runs we talked about. Yeah, yeah. Um, so got, got a lot of NBA bump and like was just real focused on my body. I was like, I may not make it to the NBA. I mean, I, I really was down on myself. Like that was my shot. You know, mm-hmm. it didn't go in. I could easily kind of give up, but I really doubled down, tripled down. And the next two years, basically at Princeton, I was like, n- not many people can stop me. Yeah. It, people that can stop me, I feel like, are on the floor with me and in the locker room with me because I'm not able to really show everything that I can do. So mm-hmm. I was shooting the ball at a really, really high clip. And I was like, this is what's going to get me in. Yeah. You know, I'm putting all my sure. chips on my shooting. And yeah. uh, I think once I left Princeton and kind of went through that process, I started to realize like I have a real chance. Um, and I was, and I told my agent, forget overseas. I'm going to grind it out to the G league. I think that's my best path. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very proud of myself for for just that belief since missing that shot, and then through all the ups and downs since. Yeah, man, that's a that's amazing. I mean, I had a chance at a little bit in the G League, and um, it's definitely a grind. Like where, oh look at the t- look at Tristan, bedtime for Tristan, huh? <laughs> but um, so yeah, obviously, a lot of people know your story with uh, you know, you battled injuries, you're in the G League. You win the title, you win the MVP, and then you kind of had to reset again. What was that journey like? Well, that journey took me to Seattle first and foremost. So, you know, good thing I wasn't able to walk around too much because the 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 company that was walking the streets wasn't too friendly. Um, yeah. It was very unique. So, you know, T. Ross talks about mm. being out in the streets late at night. Yeah. That's, a, that's a different scene up there. Yeah. No, in Seattle, yeah, for sure, bro. Especially now, yeah. Last few years have been rough, but but yeah, I mean I get injured. I mean, I'm coming off what I felt like was the game that was like you talk about there's moments, right? As a as an athlete where you're like, I can do this, you know. And in the summer before winning the the championship, I was training with KD and Kyrie out in LA and we're getting good bumping, ones, twos, threes, and it's like there's no reason why I can't do this. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just going to be handed to you on a platter. Like opportunity is hard to come by in this league, but I'm just like, <laughs> I've been through much worse odds. Like I'm going to continue to grind. So obviously all that happened. I felt like that game against the Pelicans where I scored 17 was just like, mm-hmm. yeah. the game. I like I can, I can do this. I can play a role. And again, I can shoot the ball at a very high level. Teams need that. So the fact that the very next game, like I was confident that, through the rest of the season, something was going to stick. Obviously, get injured. You know, disgusting injury. You know, I, I, yeah. I your your reaction. You know, everyone. I'm sure yeah. at that moment we're just like, damn. You know, bro, I was absolutely 
And you know what's so wild to me too? Like it's such a weird thing. The night that the night before that happened, Pods, you remember the 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 UFC fight with Chris Wadman? Oh yes, yes. And he snapped his his leg. Oh, I'm gosh, literally yeah. showing this man that video. Thirty minutes before, thirty minutes before, he's out there. You, I remember you got a Duncan warm up. We were all going crazy, oh, like yeah. <laughs> feeling great, bro. And I, and I'll even take it back, like like that training camp we had. I was like, we had it was you, Jordan Bone. Um, who was it? Like, uh, the big man? Yeah, uh, Reem. And I think we had somebody else. It might have been like Frank, but I can't yeah. remember. But yeah, Frank Rob. Yeah, so out of everybody, bro, you you bought out more than anybody. So when they told us that we were going with Jordan Bone, I was absolutely jaw dropped and like just baffled because like you know remember the little chips that they put it on us like and they measured like how in shape we were and everything bro i checked that stuff because i love to see how i'm doing but like jordan bone was completely out of shape he was horrible in 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 the training camp he was missing shots you were making plays understanding the system understand what we needed to do shooting the ball really well and i was just i was so mad for you so when i saw you come back bro i was I was like, finally, because we we'd had point guard problems that whole season, bro. Everybody was getting hurt, and I'm just like, there's no need. And then you had just won the MVP and the Finals yeah. MVP. So I was just like, yeah, this is like the stars aligning. So like that setback was like one of the biggest heartbreaks I've seen in like my whole career. But mm-hmm. it's all better now because <laughs> my guy's back here with us and he's here playing. So I'm just I'm excited for this next season because. Man, you you and this other thing too. You actually been here for a while. Like you've been here through a lot of changes, so you've seen a lot of guys hurt. Like you've seen a lot of guys struggle through injuries, like Marquel, Ji, yourself. And now we finally get to have a season coming up where all of us are going to be back in training camp, having fun again. So this is it's going to be a big season. I know it's going to be fun for everybody. It's going to be a completely different feel. I hope. And just like even how we've been, you know, practicing in the summertime, everybody's in the gym. Like everybody's here. Like, and I've been here for six years now. This is my sixth summer here. This is probably the first time I've ever seen more than like three people in the gym. And it's usually just me. It was me, J.I., and Markel, because those two are hurt. And this is where I just live and work out. But now everybody's here. It's going to make it for some exciting summer ball. But like the older, I'm older, so I can just kind of see all the makers of things. Like, this could be the beginning of like a different chapter. And where this franchise starts to go because now everybody's going to have a camaraderie and everybody's going to be familiar with everybody. And it's not just like some older vets showing up, trying to get in shape. Like this is how, like when I was younger in Toronto, this is how we got better. We all spent summers together. We worked out and it was just little stuff. It's not even like necessarily, you know, we're drilling, going hard every day, but it's being around each other, just building the fundamentals of just understanding what it's going to take. So I'm excited to be out there. I'm excited to see it up close. I can't believe I stuck around. Like, and it's crazy. It's just more and more people are leaving every single year. So, it for me, I finally have a reason like to be excited going to this season. So, that's, it's gonna that's, be good, bro. That's it's, 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 it's gonna be a great comeback story. I can't, I can't wait. I appreciate those words because I mean it means a lot too. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's like like little <clears throat> nuances that I pick up on, you know. And I feel like, yeah, I, I played two NBA seasons and my whole career essentially in the NBA has been with the magic, you know, like a lot of guys and in, in the top tier G league guys, they're getting 10 days with mm-hmm. this team and that team. And like, for me to just have been consistently a yeah. part of this organization in one way or another, um, mm-hmm. do I believe I should have been signed at the beginning of last training camp? hundred percent. Yes. I mean, but that added more fuel to my already very lit fire mm-hmm. in the bubble and I think it's just a unique story, and it's honestly so on brand with me. It's like you go down there, you know you should be on the Magic, so let's just win a championship yeah, right. and MVP. Um, so it's just it's dope. I mean, I kind of joke like I'm a I've been a part time worker for the mm-hmm. NBA organization. Like, oh, you need me for six games this season? Okay, cool. Like, but no, I'm excited for next year, and I think getting back to what the process was like getting here. Um, I get injured. My girlfriend at the time, Katie Lou Samuelson, is over in Spain. Um, she's staying up to watch my game. She's obviously excited and coming off a really good game. Um, and so, like, literally two possessions up and down the floor. I go up for a block I should have just let go, and I hear a noise. Like, it was like I literally heard, like, a fat stalk of celery just break in half. Mm. 
like that was the exact noise I, I heard. And I was like, what just happened? Did, did the dude I try and block yeah. is he okay? Like, cause obviously I'm not going to about to get, yeah. I'm not getting yeah, yeah, for sure. No. And then when I'm down there, I'm like, something's like, I'm not, I'm not getting up. And like, I just yelled out, like I'm screaming, fuck, like, oh shit, <laughs> yeah. oh shit. And I didn't even mean to. So I'm like, oh, that noise was me. And I did not look down. I remember putting my head on the ground. Yeah. I didn't even see Mo come and put his jersey on me. I just look up. Wow, moment. It was he off. I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm like, oh, dude, this is this cannot be good. And I think I handled it really, really well. You did, I bro. Think, amazing. Yeah. I like, I me, I would have passed out. I've been screaming the whole time. I would have passed out. I would have passed out. Is that the worst injury you've seen live, Terrence? Yeah. yeah, For sure. Yeah, what? For sure. And, I, and I've seen this type of injury a few times, but not but yeah. that one was that, was, that was rough. Like, that made, like, that, we were sick, bro. Like, we were, we were like, fuck the game, bro. Let's just get out of here. Like, uh, yeah. That was real. tough, bro. But in that moment, as I, I mean, in that moment, a lot of things were rushing through my mind, like, Dude, we're are we done? Like, is this yeah. is was did my oh, yeah. NBA come and go like that? Um, but instead of like cursing out God or you know, mm-hmm. I, I honestly I thanked him because every game before, you know, when everyone's lined up for the anthem and I pray, like, use me how you see fit. Um, let me be a light to the world and got God willing, there's no one gets injured. And so in that moment, I kind of put two and two together, like, you're about to use me in a way that I can't even comprehend Mm -hmm. and thank god no one else got this injury like you gave this to me because i can handle it so that was for sure that ran through my mind the second thing was don't start yelling and screaming (laughs) like because your your girlfriend is in her room in spain one thirty-two in the morning she's watching your game and she's cool be cool so like take like you can scream which i did in the in the ambulance in the back but at that moment like when I thought of her, like in the first three seconds, I was like, "That calmed you." I think, uh, I think I really love this girl too. So, wow, so that that's like the segue. <laughs> that's the segue. Into, wow, that's how you know. That's how you know. That is true, though. That's something you're thinking about, like immediately. That makes it real because it's like I know I've had some injuries, and the girl's not the first thing I thought about. Yeah. For second, for uh, so, third. <laughs> yeah, I, I spent the whole off season exactly. Spent the whole off season basically rehabbing, learning to walk, learning to jog, like working on my ankle in Seattle while she was playing her season with the Seattle Storm. Um, so I got treatment that Brianna Stewart, you know, was getting Sue Bird using some of their trainers and yeah. super dope experience and like to be there supporting her and her WNBA season, basically like like a newborn baby, I felt like, like she was taking yeah. care of me in a sense, but like, yeah. I was just like getting back to just the basic essentials of like, not even being an athlete, but just like walking and doing the most mundane. Sure. So it was a super special summer from my, my relationship perspective, but also like, I knew that I wanted what I just had so bad. And I was like, mm-hmm. whatever it takes to get back. Um, yeah. So obviously you, magic brought me back to camp knowing I was going to be a few more months along in my rehab, went back to the G league and my, my mindset was the same, like show what got you there the first time, but do it even better. Like, and I ended up in the G league, I think in three point percentage, like I was just on a mission. I was like, I'm coming back for what's mine. Um, Mm -hmm. I belong and, and give me a, get through the season healthy into an off season. Next year is going to be scary. And so that's where we're at now. That's awesome, yeah, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, let's move on to your uh, podcast, Run Your Own Race. How did this um, start? And um, I mean, how long have you been doing it? I mean, I've been doing it less than I've been talking with you guys on this podcast. Like, <laughs> it's been it's been a thought. I have everything written down, planned out. Um, my manager and I, he's going to be my co-host. Um, and so at this point, I'm going to try and launch before the season. Trying to get a few uh, interviews done. I'll, I'll come on, bro. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be. I'll come down for sure. All right, I'm gonna mark you down. Mark I'll down. Do a few interviews, like out at summer league. Um, mm. Hopefully, have something established and set up. I'm not. I don't care about the quality being extremely great. I just, I just yeah. want to be good. 
Trust us, ours was rough. Ours was rough. Yeah. It no, took, facts. That's how it yeah, goes. We, we, we talked. I remember, we'll never forget, when we started it. Oh, we my talked, God. Our first rough. time we talked, we tried doing it. It, it, it sounded like so it sounded. It's yeah, so it, rough. It kind of sounded like we didn't even know each other for real. Like it was <laughs> yeah, bad, bad. Like, like uh, it was just uh, pauses. Like <laughs> it was like we had never met before. It was wild. But that's the one thing. Just continue it's to do just, it. Yeah, just continue to do it, bro. It's like grind. Like it's not. It, it gets better and it's going to progress the more you do it. It's not like yeah. you're going to find the right cure, like the right mixture right off the bat. Like this is one yeah. of those things where even us, like we change stuff all the time. Like we think about how we're going to mix it up or do, but it's, it's such a, it's so challenging, but it's, it's fun, bro. Cause after you do it, after you, you know, do it for a long period of time, you look up, you have 50 episodes knocked out and you're just kind of like, kind of in a rhythm with it. You have a, you have a routine. So now it's, it makes it easier. So definitely, you know, it's going to end, but no, but don't, don't forget. It's going to get rough sometimes because there's (laughs) definitely days we're just like, bro, not today, not today, bro. (laughs) Just do it every other time. Like it's too late or, but now we got a good team, but that's another important part is having a good team. But as long as you just you have good content, bro, you're gonna skyrocket. No, that's awesome. What do you uh what do you want to focus on with your podcast? My biggest thing is telling, sharing, getting kind of the behind the scenes of people in different industries and their their stories, their journeys. I mean, I think I've talked and touched based on a little bit of my unique path. But there's so much more, you know, that's b- below the surface. And, you know, how how do you again, how do you get to Princeton? Really, what are some experiences at Princeton? Like, what is it like? I mean, my first year in the G League when I was in Long Island, I was actually finishing my degree um, wow. at Princeton. So I was traveling back and forth from Long Island to Princeton. I was I was in the front row of one class, staying in a dorm, traveling on a train at 4 35 a.m. to be at practice the next day like and actually this week on the 17th i'm going to finally be back on campus to walk during my graduation so like wow hey, congrats bro dope, man. congrats no dude long time coming and but i'm sure like both of you even have your own stories where it's like man there's oh, probably yeah. out there that's like i want to start a yeah. podcast and oh yeah what anything sure. else so that's the goal is is get some unique people from di- with different perspectives, different backgrounds and in different industries, sharing the story on how they're running their own race, mm-hmm. you know, kind of just pay it forward for the next generation. Yeah. Yeah, Hopefully man. there's a there that wants to go to the Ivy League and wants to make it to the league and like, hey, I'm an example you can look to. So that's the goal. Yeah, man, that's awesome. That's, that's really good to hear. Um, yeah, man, just continue to grind and, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep you in better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... Terrence brought up, are you, are you into conspiracy theories? <laughs> I'm definitely into talking about conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. Open-minded. Okay. So, so does, does Terrence run this through you like he does with all his other teammates? Like, Also, that, that's what I wanted to ask you because I, I like to ask Terrence's teammates. Like, t- Tell us about Terrence like, in the locker room. Oh on, in your perspective, and Terrence always says this, oh, my God. I want to hear from your perspective. What, what's Terrence like? See, Ross, in, in, in my humble opinion, is like, <laughs> like, a, like a cool – big brother like he's he's i feel like he's into action figures he's into things yes. that are way way on out there but like he's dope as hell at basketball and like <laughs> i don't respect that and like you gotta be like man big bro like what are you into and maybe you know what i'm saying like as a little brother you know the big brother can sway you into you know being being a, into cool things so we yeah. have both conversations and so the question of what kind of conspiracies am I into? I'm into having conversations. I'm into, you know, mm-hmm. hearing, hearing your thoughts out. Maybe I don't believe what you believe, but let's talk about it. So, no, nah, mm-hmm. he's, he's he's really big bro. I mean, he's number 31. I'm number 30. I feel mm-hmm. like they call him the human torch. I feel like I'm the microwave. So, I feel, you know, like it, it's really a cool dynamic. And, like, I haven't – we haven't had much time, I feel like, in the locker room because mm-hmm. I've been in the G League or I got injured. But, like, the times we have, we've had some – conversation so that's big bro has he brought any conspiracy theories to to your attention what we talked about i remember you asked me about something um i mean t like something like reincarnation i've been in the reincarnation lately (laughs) man and like alternate reality not alternate reality but like the multi i don't know multiverse got you thinking from dr strange huh not even that that movie was all over the place but definitely I don't know. I'm definitely thinking like, cause now with all this, you know, government releasing 
UFOs and UAPs, like that is like at the forefront of like the one thing I kind of want to learn more about because it's kind of we're on the verge of because I feel like yo aliens, whatever you want to put extra life, whatever. That's that's what we talk about the most. Yes, <laughs> like when that happens, it has to affect religion in some sort, in some sense. It has to contradict everything that like religions talks about at some point, and because like. I feel like we're right there. Like the government's saying, we don't know what these are. We don't know where they're from. And I feel like everybody's just, ah, fuck it. We'll figure it out later. Like, but to me, I'm just like, that isn't that not important? Like, is that like, are we not alone? Like, do they have the same type of religions we do? Is there an alien Jesus that they pray to? Like, do they pray to our Jesus? Like, do we not know what's going on? Like, I don't know. That's just me. When I get to my conspiracies, that's usually in the direction I'm headed. So if we had anything, it's probably about that. And so I'll add a, a Princeton twist to it. Oh boy! <laughs> so, so and this is why I'm open to these conversations, you know. And, and I can't be like, dude, there's no way because I don't know, yeah. right? Like, I'm not gonna be like, no, you're wrong. Confirmation. Yeah, you know, like, so I took a class my senior year, and this is when I'm like halfway out the door. So I'm not really into it. It's just like a requirement. I needed some sort of science class, and so I took astro by something crazy and it's just like our solar system life out there and and they're breaking it down to the science like i was literally out here with telescopes they're showing us all the constellations they're like there's a galaxy beyond that star that's x million light years away and i'm looking at one of my teammates who's a sophomore at the time and we're like get the fuck out of here it's a lot you cannot tell me that all of this precision and you know that this galaxy has this many stars and you like, and, and then you tell me that there's no other life. Yeah, That's where I'm just like, if you're, if you're telling me the science of things being billions of light years away, then don't tell me we're the only thing. And that's what I'm saying. Like for me, life doesn't necessarily mean a gray little alien walking around. I mean, there has to be some form of like, let's say vegetation some type of uh, something, you know, molecular. Or they've created their own. Or they created their own. Whatever it is, I'm saying it's just the same way you're looking out to the stars, saying that like it has to be something now. I'm just like, yo, there can't just be us here. There yeah. can't just be us here. Like I don't care what it is. It could be a planet full of grass. It could be a planet full of dogs. It could be a planet full of whatever. It can't just be us out here talking about looking at all these and being like, yeah, it's probably nothing. Like. Yes, it's coming base, to the day. Base level, that's where I believe that. On a base yes. level, this the earth that we've inhabited is spectacular. It's magnificent. Like there's so many things about it that's so perfectly created that I believe in the creator. Mm-hmm. I believe in God, right? Like yeah. But then you then you take this class and you're like, we are this far away from everything it's like come on now like it, it, it gives you questions you probably haven't really thought about or even pondered before you yeah. look at something like yeah especially with the science it, you feel and for science we just take it for facts so like we know i mean there's ways to check it but like you can only check it so much before you're just like i'm gonna take somebody's word and let them do all the hard work because at the end of the day i feel like philosophy or religion and and science we're just going to take somebody's word on it because we can only do fact checks so much before we're just like, all right, that's not real cap bullshit. I don't believe that. Cause at this, at this point it's just, unless we see it and experience it, it's, it's hard to kind of really say. One more, one more. And you talk about see and experience it. It's like the most random thing. Like I'm literally coming back from an injury. I'm in the G league. And then out of nowhere, they're like, Hey, you're playing in this intercontinental cup in Egypt. Wow. And so we went and saw the pyramids and, and I'm like, okay, let me do some research on the pyramids. And I'm trying to like, I'm in the airport two hours before my flight. And I'm like, I haven't even scratched the surface. You're telling me these pyramids have been there for however many long years, centuries, and no one knows. Nobody knows. So, I mean, this is on our earth, right? Like we're talking about things that are way out there. We got something right here. We have plenty of things right here. The ocean. I mean, just look at the ocean. I mean, you can go. Oh, that's that's where it's just like, man, like, what's going on here? But but like you said, I think the biggest thing is just having an open mind. I think what irritates me about everything is like, yes, people, we have our faith. We have our certain 
views but like if you're just not open to even discussing or even having the discussion that's what irritates me because i'm like yeah you can't be definitive on it like that's like you can't just be like nope that's not it i think that's what scares people about aliens it's like we just don't want to accept that fact because then yeah and people just we're don't gonna want be their... we're gonna be messed up and and i get it people don't want their I, yeah, day-to-day I get it too. life interrupted with i'm guessing aliens or whatever type of damage or whatever type of threat they're causing but i, I don't know man it's I, people that are not open mind to this stuff also scare me. So um, <laughs> I hear you. I got, I got, I got one last question before we go. Um, so yeah, going to Princeton, being a prestigious college, any of your classmates, since we're talking government or moved on to politics, any of your classmates have gone on to do anything? I know you've only, it's only been a couple of years, but any of them gone on to do anything crazy yet? Or are you the highlight? of that year's class at Princeton. I can guarantee you I'm not the highlight. I mean, <laughs> in this sphere, like, I think, yeah, what I've done is is historic. I mean, there was a guy that played, I think, 15 games in the league back in 02. He's a seven-footer. Like, that's what the league was. But before that, yeah. guys that have played multiple years, like, 1974. Ooh, wow. Like, yeah, I think this what I'm doing is amazing. But yeah. there's yeah. – I'm sure out here. And when I get back to campus, I'm going to be, what are you doing? What are you up to? You know? Yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. That's where cool, the networking comes. They're doing some cool things. Um, but I think a kid in the class below me, he ended up becoming the first black valedictorian in the president's oh, wow. history. He's doing some cool engineering, coding, um, things that are probably going to make a real impact. Um, but some of my buddies literally created a, are into crypto and creating like a crypto yeah. economy in ecuador mm. and we're working on a run your own race nft project you know wow. that to be done and and really really have some good marketing behind it by the end of the year so i mean they just made a nft project that i think sold like 500k worth of Jeez. nft so yeah it's just dope i mean there's probably hundreds of people doing super dope things probably Any- any famous families like their lineage? Anybody that uh, you would know of that you ran into at Princeton? You're like, damn, that's your godparents. Or, you know, I think. Well, listen, it's because like this was in my friend group was Michelle Obama's niece, so oh, wow. Barack's niece. Yeah, um, her she played basketball. She was drafted in the W. Her dad oh, wow, Craig wow. was a two-time Ivy League Player of the Year, and that's Michelle's. Oh, you're talking about Craig Robinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oregon State, yeah, Oregon State. Yeah, yeah. You recruited, recruited yeah, yeah, both of us. Yeah, Oregon State. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. So yeah, that's yeah. Small. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Right, small world, small world. Well, uh, um, how about you plug what you have uh, got going in, um, you know, social medias, podcasts, all that, so where they can find it. At Devin underscore Candy Three across all socials. Uh, check out my YouTube series, Run Your Own Race. I kind of gave a behind the scenes look at the first part of my come back to the NBA um, where I was going through my rehab process and then just stay tuned for the run your own race podcast. Hopefully we see this guy T Ross on there here soon. Yes, sir. I'll be on there. Well, man, we appreciate this and we'll, uh, we'll definitely have to do this again in the future. For sure, yes, man. Sir. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you, All right, man. man. Appreciate Yo. you, Devin. Peace. Morning, good evening, good night. Yeah. Welcome to the show, what a wonderful delight. Uh, yeah, Patsy and T-Rods, better chop up on the mic. Just sit back, have a laugh, catch a vibe, and enjoy the ride. Yeah.